Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 657 with a review of Raya and the Last Dragon. I'm Christopher Schneezy. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week in the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest films coming to a streaming platform near you. Um, this week, we're talking about a little film that came to a uh, premium streaming platform near you. Uh, not just Disney+, Plus, but the, uh, the premium access that is part of Disney Plus, in which you, for the mere price of $29.99, can gain access to a film that is currently in theaters. This is the second time that Disney has done this, the first time being from Mulan, now for Ryan the Last Dragon. Steven, we definitely talked about it during Mulan. How do you feel now, a second time paying $30 for, for a film on this platform? Do you think it like feels the same or does it feel different? Um, my feelings about it are clouded by the fact that the last time I used this platform was to watch Mulan. <laughs> <laughs> okay, TJ. I, I, I definitely, uh, I, we watched this yesterday morning and when I like, you know, sat down at the TV and turned it on, I, I was even saying to Joanna, like, well, you know, it's cool. At least this one, it'll finally justify that Disney plus subscription I've been paying for it. And I had no idea it was going to be the $30 kind, um, I don't know. I think, okay, goes without saying, I did it. Obviously, I'm happy to support movies, happy to try to keep them alive. You know, if $30 is the price tag to make a, like, the run be streaming at the same time as the theatrical run and keep me from having to put my life in jeopardy to watch a movie, happy to pay it. Um, It did hurt a little this time. Like, something about it being, like, a Sunday morning and it was a movie that I personally hadn't really followed or known anything about except for we're watching for the podcast. There was a little bit of sticker shock. Like it, it lasted all of 15 seconds until I filled in my password and then, you know, (laughs) bought it. But, um, yeah, it feels a little steep. I think if I had kids, it would feel different, but doing it alone makes it feel steep considering we pay for, in the before times we paid to see movies in the theater for free. Like we weren't paying $30 to see a movie in a physical theater back then. Yeah. yeah. Um, so now it feels like extra. Yeah. I, I think it's weird because like, I, I have no idea where this Ryan, the last dragon comes from, right? This like, it, it kind of made sense in a way for Mulan because Mulan was this, theoretically huge film based on a widely beloved uh animated film from the same company that was releasing this film and it sort of made sense that it was like a hey this was supposed to be a huge deal we sunk a bunch of money into it we need to make some of that money back um so we can pay you know overseas investors and stuff like that like it kind of it kind of made sense in a way um at least it made sense at the very least as a test for disney as their first big major release they were going to try to do this on the platform but like we didn't we didn't have to pay we didn't have to pay that much we didn't pay anything to see soul right soul was basically free on the streaming platform right so it's like yeah oh you're right okay so i did i i have used disney plus at least once then yeah so so it's kind of like what what is what is making the decision behind which films cost $30 and which films don't um it's it's sort of a weird thing so it's kind of also like we, we, we're currently renting other day and date films from other, um, other studios that are only 
$19.99. And that's sort of the standard industry price. So why Disney is charging that on top of uh, $5 a month subscription to the service, it just seems, it seems a little weird. Like it seems like they could piggyback off the same network and just have a, a non subscription service that you use to rent the film from, then it would almost feel different, right? Because it's behind a paywall and you have to pay for the second wall. <laughs> it, it, mm-hmm. it just seems like a weird, a weird way to handle the rollout of your films, especially when it's something that is maybe an untested property. Um, and I, that could be an ignorance on my part. To me, this seemed like a, just a, a unique story that we're going to watch. Um, so yeah, I, I, I don't know what Disney's doing over there, but um I guess we'll see how it works out from them. Yeah, I mean, it worked. Yeah, it, it worked on us. I just, I, I did not see a lot of Raya and the Last Dragon chatter on the internet the way that I did see Mulan chatter on the internet. So I, I would hazard a guess that this did not get the eyeballs that Mulan did. And maybe the price tag has a little bit to do with that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think if you were going to see Mulan, you knew it was coming out. And you went to play it and were like, oh, shit, it's $30. And then you were like, man, I really want to see Mulan. And you click the button. I feel like if you didn't know this was coming out and you're just scrolling through and you see the banner and you're like, whoa, that looks kind of badass. I wonder what this is. And then it says $30. You're, you're not going to go, oh, yeah, I really want to see this thing that I didn't know about before I saw the banner. So I don't know. <clears throat> what are you going to do? Yeah. What are you going to do? But yeah, so... Should we, Stephen, figure out whether or not this film was worth $30? Sure. (laughs) All right, we're going to take a listen to the trailer for Raya and the Last Dragon, and they're going to come back and give you all a review. Let's catch you up. My name is Raya. Our lands have been at war for as long as we can remember. Our people never see eye to eye. My daughter, I believe our people can come together again, but someone has to take the first step. Now, in order to restore peace, we must find the last dragon. I wish to join this fellowship of butt kickery. Let's go. We'll have to watch our backs. We're not the only ones looking. Six years of searching. Please, let this be it. Almighty Sisu! Who said that? We really need your help. Ah, I'm gonna be real with you. I'm not, like, the best dragon. Have you ever done, like, a group project, but there's, like, that one kid who didn't pitch in as much, but still ended up with the same grade? Uh, we're doomed. You and the dragon are coming with me. Hmm. My sword here says we're not. broken you can't trust anyone maybe it's broken because you don't trust anyone you just have to take the first step I just shape changed dragons can do that look how close my butt is to my head it's gonna make digestion so much faster Okay, so that was the trailer for Raya and the Last Dragon. Um, let's see if I can let's see if I can do this all from memory. <laughs> so there once was this land named Kumandra, and it basically had these five different groups of people who were all living in harmony, and they lived with dragons. But these creatures or entities or 
things called the Drune came about and started wildly turning all of the people into stone. And essentially the dragons band together, put all their magic into this energy, which blew back the Drune and, um, and released all the people who had been turned to stone. But unfortunately, most of those dragons were stuck in the stone form. Um, so we join our hero, Raya, uh, 500 years after this event has taken place. And uh, these five factions of people that live in Kumandra have sort of begun to war over the fact that all that was left when the dragons were gone was this one dragon rune that the people who are known as Heart, there are five factions, there is Fang, there is Talon, there is Heart, there is Spine, and then there's Tail. And basically the Heart faction um, is in possession of the the dragon gem and it's hidden and uh unfortunately raya may lead some people to find it which spawns the factions fighting again and raya has to go off on an adventure to hopefully find sisu the last dragon bring her back to hopefully drive back the drune who have once again been unleashed and uh try to unite the five factions of kumandra stephen miller what did you think of this film <laughs> Uh, I think you need to tell me in what order did she visit the four different places that weren't heart in the movie. Go. <laughs> there was the deserty place. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. Um, yeah. What What did I think of Raya? Um, so I did not watch anything about this movie. Like the only thing I knew about it is I think when Mulan came out, some people were saying, like, don't worry, the real badass movie is still coming, right? Like, like I remember hearing little murmurs of, like, if you were hoping for an actual, like, adventure movie starring, like, an Asian woman who kicks ass, then don't worry, Ryan the Last Dragon has come to town. And other than that, I didn't know any details about it at all. Um, so when the movie started, I got pretty pumped. Like, when it was clear that it was like, oh, this is going to be, like a place with five different lands with five different types of people. And you have a quest to collect all these things. And there's a dragon involved, like yeah. badass, Great. <laughs> you know, I, I have not seen a quest movie like that in a while. Looking forward to it. Big fan. Um, how it played out in practice. All I know how to say, and maybe this is just true of kids movies in general. Like maybe I just haven't watched a Disney princess film in a long time. It, it felt like they didn't put enough meat on the bones of that quest. It felt like they had this really cool idea. They did great world building. Like, I, I love the look and feel of the different places, how every tribe has their own aesthetic. Um, I love that Raya rides Tuk Tuk and Namari rides Big Cats. I love, like, <laughs> that, like there's lots of stuff that is cool. I, I like the design, especially, I think it was of... Talon, uh, the the really busy place that clearly is meant to seem like a like port city in Southeast Asia, uh, with the pickpockets and everything. Um, I, I thought all that was really cool, and I was so excited to watch like a epic adventure set in these places. And then every place that they visit, it kind of feels like they only wrote one scene for it, and that one scene is usually not a set piece. <laughs> Um, and I, I there, there was something that was just like let down. Like, I think I was wanting like Lord of the Rings or whatever. And then when I realized I was in a Disney movie, I was kind of like a little, I don't, I don't know, a, a little deflated by that. Um, 
there's plenty to like here. Like, obviously, the representation seen on screen is great. And it's done in a way that doesn't feel like perfunctory or self-satisfied. Like, it really feels genuine and authentic. And that, that was cool to see. I thought, again, the world building was really well done. I thought the voice acting was good. Like, I think Kelly Marie Tran is great here, as is Gemma Chan. Uh, not a big fan of the Aquafina choice, but, you know, we can we can get into that when you weigh into. I, I just can't not hear Aquafina. Yeah, and that um, makes it tough to read as a dragon or really anything. Um, I, I, th- I think it was a little distracting at first. Um, and I think once you understand who that dragon is, <laughs> um, it started to work more and more for me. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it. they made the role fit Aquafina uh, yeah. for sure. It just still... I think the thing is, so so there's all this stuff that is great about it. Uh, the animation looks great. Like, it, it, it is not totally lifelike, but it is less cartoony than the vast majority of these animated films I've seen where the characters are largely meant to be, you know, lifelike human beings. Uh, this didn't have Uncanny Valley effect, but it was very, very, very good. And I'm, I'm sure I've seen other animated films like that that are about people, but I... I don't know. Pandemic has like fried my brain. I was surprised at how good the animation looked for a movie that was at least finished in quarantine times. Like it seemed like they really put in the work for the rendering and everything uh, in a way that was cool. But then it just like, I don't know. It, it, it kind of felt like they had cool characters, cool themes, uh, a world that I was eager to explore. And then they just kind of like bullet pointed the story and they, they like knew where they had to get at the end and what emotional turning point they needed to make happen. And it just felt like they like game of Thrones season eight, it did it where they were just like, <laughs> okay, um, here you go. This is the emotion you're supposed to feel. Okay. The movie's done. Like, I don't know. It felt like it wasn't a full meal to me. And I felt like I was missing, I was missing something that would have justified it a little bit more. So like it, maybe for a kid, it was great. It probably already was like too long, in terms of the attention of a child. So like maybe they had to toe that line properly. I can't really weigh in on that, but I I wanted more. I I wanted more fun. I wanted more action. I wanted like slightly more fleshed out character dynamics. Um, And in the end, I think I just kind of was sad that this was a Disney movie. (laughs) So yeah, that's how I felt. Yeah. So it it is, it is interesting because like, you know, I, I gave that long spiel intro to this film and there's a lot of exposition at the beginning, essentially the opening to explain the movie you're going to watch, right? Like it's the the setup to this film could be its own entire prequel film that on its own right would probably be pretty awesome. Um, but it's like we have to give you this whole backstory of these factions, how they fought and then this stuff happened. The dragons that sacrificed themselves. One of the dragons disappeared. This is going to happen. Boom, boom. Here's our our hero she is like super stoked about becoming a guardian of this gem um and she's over eager to be a guardian of the gem and uh maybe things are not going to work out so well um and then it jumps forward two years to this she like her tuck tuck went from being a little tiny roly-poly to a big giant rideable roly-poly um and we're seeing her we're entering as she has been searching for yeah like you talk about bullet pointing it she's literally she so as a child she hears a story of how when Sisu um, sacrificed uh, herself and like set off this magic from the gym that she fell into the water and floated 
down the river, which terminates in... It, I mean, it's kind of funny because in the story, they say hundreds of different places where the river terminates. And when you look at the map that's been crudely drawn, it's like eight. Yeah, there's like one river. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we see her having crossed off all the ones except for the one that we're going to watch her go to. And yeah, so, so I, get that there's, I get that there's some silliness to this. But I think that this world is very, very interesting. Um, you know, these five factions that live together and who were in harmony once, but are now sort of jealous and warring over this gem, which is the last remnant of dragon power that exists. But no one really knows what it really does, right? Like, it's, it's a thing that glows and it's sacred. But like all these other factions who aren't in control of it feel as though the one faction who has it has all of their wealth or natural growing stuff in the wild like everything they believe stems from this thing and they all want to fight over it and like have it they all want to take it a little piece of it for themselves we'll say <laughs> um and I, th I think that 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 story is interesting and I, I would love to watch this as like a series right like a you know avatar the last airbender sort of series yeah, exactly. where where there's plenty of time to like fuck around as you go to different places um and and do like little bottle episodes here and there but i think that like there there is an interesting world here that needs to be expanded um so you know i i can see the complaints of this story being a little simple from the standpoint of how much of the story we get to see like the world is cool all that stuff is there um what, like one really really positive thing i'll say too uh is that like this film is beautiful like i love the animation style the way everything looks like it just it has a really really nice look to it um you know the choreography might not be as specialized at least at least it didn't jump out as to me as individual factions really having one distinct fighting style maybe i just didn't see it correctly uh, maybe that is there but i, I mean, really, we really barely get to see them fight like not to spoil the movie too much yeah 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 so that there are a couple fights between like primary members of each side but it would be really interesting mm -hmm. to see if like you know all of talon fought one way and all of tail fought one way and all of spine fought one way and all that kind of stuff um so that's fine so if I can back up and talk about a different company uh, that publishes movies on you, Disney, you, Pixar. You talking um, about... Okay. No, no. So, so what I was going to say is there have been a number of Pixar films that have started off brilliantly, made me go, this is the greatest thing that's ever been written and put on film. And then the film inserts all this stuff for the kids, right? Like dogs that talk and go like squirrel and all this kind of stuff or fly planes and like you know fat humans that roll around on a spaceship like like films that like start really good and then insert all this stuff that is clearly there not to facilitate the story but just there to make kids laugh in the audience um this film has that all over the place but you know what steven it kind of worked on me <laughs> i don't know why but i had so much fun with this movie I love Tuk Tuk. I love the little shrimp boat guy. <laughs> I love I love the Con Baby. And oh, Con Baby is clearly the MVP <laughs> of the movie. Con Baby and its little monkey friends. The the big brawler dude from the one faction when they go see him. I loved him. There's so much of this movie, Steven, that I was like, this movie's great. It's not necessarily great in the way that I would want a movie to be great, but for whatever reason, whatever my mood is right now in this moment when I'm watching this, even though I've just paid $30 for it, I had a lot of fun with it. So I don't know what to say more than that. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm glad. Like, I, I had fun with it for sure. It's just like you you listed all those characters and like 
maybe we should actually do a very minor spoiler section because I think the end of this movie is a good crystallization of the problem I have with the way that it's plotted. Um, but all those characters you mentioned like that we meet, except Tuck Tuck's there the whole time. Um, yeah. But all the other ones are, they're great and they're really fun. And I feel like the pace at which we meet them is so rapid. Like the, the span of time from when we meet uh, Tong, the big brawler, to when like the movie is reaching its finale, I it feels like it's like three scenes to me in my head now. Like I feel like yeah. they are really like they're not letting you luxuriate in these characters at all. You're really just like boom, 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 we're done. And that is why like I feel like as a series it would be so much better because yeah. it is a great cast that they assembled. Like it would be a lot of fun to watch all those characters interact like every week. Yeah, and, and, and even more than that, it would literally be you know, the first episode is maybe actually you could probably even start exactly where this film starts, where she's writing on Tuk Tuk and she's like, let me tell you about how I got here. Right. But you make the second episode be like a, a, a flashback to the before times. Like the first episode is all about her arriving at the last river. And then it's like, how did I get here? And then the next episode is just like a self-contained episode. That's just like the flashback history. Right. Um, and then the next episode, it's like, we're introduced to shrimp boba guy. And the very, very next, or I guess the, the third episode would be Sisu. Then the fourth episode would be Shrimp Boat Guy. Then the fifth episode would be Baby Dudes. <laughs> baby, I should say, Baby and the, the Monkey Dudes. Um, and yeah. then, like, so it's like each episode we're being introduced to a new person who helps, like, ferry her across to these different, like, little things that she's going on. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, would, I would love to watch this as a series. Um, yeah, or play the RPG of it. It would be great. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine, like, having Baby and the Monkeys just, like, like ready to hop out to help you fight when you're trying to get like Bowser. Dude, I, I would like baby and the monkeys as one playable character, but they're still animated yeah. separately in a group. So when you do an attack, like they like swing each other out and do weird stuff. Yeah. Like cool. the, the, there was, there was one pair like that in one of the RPGs and I'm forgetting who it was now. Well, in there, <laughs> anyway. there was also the ice climbers in, um, in uh, oh, smash yeah, brothers. That's what I'm thinking yeah, of. Yeah. 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 You're right. And, and, uh, the dog and the duck from Duck Hunt in the new Smash Brothers is also a thing like that mm. where they're like one character that is playable. But anyways, nice. we digress. <laughs> um, Tell me how you feel about Aquafina. Um, so I, I kind of hinted earlier when she first appeared, I kind of was like, lol. <laughs> um, but I think as you, if she was just like, I mean, obviously you're not going to hire her to be the, the straight dragon, right? <laughs> she's like, she's, she's playing the foil. She's playing a silly dragon who is not, as, as she says in the trailer that we just listened to a moment ago, I'm not the best dragon, <laughs> right? Um, it's, it, I, I, think, I think it 100% works. Um, it, was, it was a little distracting at first, but I think the longer it goes and the more we learn about who Sisu is and who she feels she is compared to um the other the other dragons that were her siblings um i i think i think it made it made sense for for that vocal playfulness to to come through they're like like it basically basically by the time we got to the end i was like fine it didn't bother me at all i was 100 percent on board with it but as it started i was a little weirded out yeah yeah i like, she grew on me fine. I just think that the nature of 
what they like what Aquafina is asked to do in this movie. It makes the dragon more of a funny side character than it does make the dragon the uh, this epic beast, and that is intentional, of course, in the movie. Like they're they're trying to kind of undercut her, but I just feel like like you talked about the the quippy jokes that kind of will take a great movie and stop it in its tracks. You know, like the movie will still be great, but you can feel it was thrown in for the kids. Yeah. I feel like all of Aquafina was thrown in for the kids, and it felt like too much of this like DreamWorks-y type character in a movie that was supposed to like not be that. Yeah, um, I, I, guess, I guess for me, if this film didn't have uh, the shrimp boat guy, didn't have Con Baby and the monkeys, didn't have the brawler guy, I would 100% agree with you. But I feel like like Aquafina, her appearance in the story when, when Sisu first arrives, um, it, it sets a tone that could be off-putting for the the seriousness of what you thought you were watching but with each new character that's introduced you realize that no that's the movie we're watching at the same time this epic stuff is happening there's also this playful energy that exists in it and it sort of it helps mellow out that tone and and it be, it becomes normalized i guess as as the film progresses mm-hmm. yeah yeah i can see that uh I couldn't shake the feeling when this movie opened uh, and they were describing how the world used to be and what happened that I was about to see Kubo and the Two Strings again. <laughs> um, I mean, and it's, I, I wasn't it's that not, far off, but in terms of yeah. how it plays, it is like the polar opposite of Kubo in tone. Yeah, yeah, for sure. They both get accompanied by a monkey. <laughs> yeah, a dragon plays a pivotal role. <laughs> I think I think what I feel is that I I wish I could have seen this in theaters because I think the theatrical experience would make me enjoy the epic bits and like laugh along with the silly bits because I'd be vibing off of you know kids in the audience would be laughing and it would it would I think it would hit different and something about watching it at home I was just more it was it's harder for me to get completely engaged and so i feel like i notice if you are taking shortcuts in the in the narrative in a way that in the theater maybe i'm just gonna like grab a big bite of popcorn and enjoy myself <laughs> um so since we're since we want to talk more about the epic things and like the more the not playful stuff what what did you think of the drone themselves uh i mean that was an example of something that i think they were very vague and ambiguous, but I think it works for what the movie wants them to be, like these kind of Dementor-type creatures that are just like... This is the second review in a row where we talked about Dementors. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, I, I think the fact that they're just these hazy things that can turn you into stone, it worked, it worked fine. I mean, there's no real fighting them, right? That's the thing. They're a force, and there's one thing that repels them. And if you have that thing, you... Rep- Two things. Sorry. There are two <laughs> things that were <repelled. laughs> I, I don't think it came through as I whispered it, but I definitely flashed two fingers to see it just a moment ago. <laughs> yeah. I, I, there's, there's one concept that repels them. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it, it's basically binary. Like either they don't do anything to you because you have the th- a thing to repel them or they are an unstoppable force. And so they're not really the big bad, right? Other people are the big bad in this movie. And I saw it. Yeah, but it, it was it was interesting to see how how each of the factions had evolved or not evolved to try to deal with the the the, the drone 
menace. Um, um, so like, you know, maybe you build your village on top of one of those things that reveals them. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> and things like that like I, I just thought that was an interesting um i like to see how some people try to adapt or not adapt and how some like you know at, as we talked about before all the factions believe that because the heart faction had the the dragon gem originally that they were given other sort of benefits but then we see um i forget which one it is now but the one um who has like the like they're they're basically like Atlantis, right? Like they have like the really beautiful like city that they've built on the water. Um mm-hmm. like just seeing how some people adapt and how like that affords you some sort of protection as well. Um I I just thought that was kind of a fun idea. But in general, I really, really like the drone aesthetically. Um just that sort of it's like the outside is black, black almost like it, it it's like smoke but it's also like it, it behaves like oil or goo of some sort but then inside of that is like the glowy bits that show through when it like stretches and tries to grab you and stuff and i really really liked that just sort of that look of of it be, like basically the venom look right <laughs> like it was the same same like imagine venom um but instead of a person on the inside wearing the venom suit it's just like glowy stardust sort of stuff um i just thought that was a really really cool look especially when it would like crawl and ooze across the land and come out of nowhere burst through rock and sort of like fuck people up and stuff like it just i was definitely like into where where do you think they're chilling most of the time in the earth i don't know (laughs) i think i i I assume the dragon stone turned or the dragon gem turned them to stone and then um, mm. when something happens to the Dragonstone, they all done got freed. Yeah. No, yeah, they did. But then, I mean, there's six years that pass between that prologue and then the movie. And we see them a few times in the movie, but they aren't like, it, it isn't like a, a quiet place or whatever. It's not like they're constantly there and you just have to sneak around. Like, But I think it is like a quiet place, right? Because in a quiet place... We don't know how many there are. They're not just like a bajillion of them, right? Like they're they're just like going all ro- over Kumandra. Like they they don't know what mm-hmm. they're looking for. They're just trying to find people who are not stone yet. <laughs> That's the thing. Yeah. Think about it, Stephen. If uh if any sort of creature in an environment eats all of its prey, what does it have to do but to sort of like half hibernate? And then when it sees one last prey, it's like I'll take all the rest of my energy and try to get to it, right? So they're probably just like right. laying around the place. I mean, think of it. Maybe if if it's not going to be um. If it's not going to be a quiet place, then maybe it's like Love and Monsters, right? Mm. <laughs> like they're all just out there and around, but until you come strolling around, they're not going to go actively trying to like fight you, right? Yeah, I buy that. For for some <laughs> reason, early in the movie, especially when I saw like the stones of the uh, the dragons, and then the con- the idea that the the creatures, the drone had been, you know. Uh, kept at bay but now they were going to be unleashed again i got like shadow of the colossus vibes and i think i like i really wanted to see like big monsters that she had to fight i think that's what i was missing in this movie <laughs> i wanted her to and... physically fight giant monsters <laughs> I, i'd be there for and, it like each one has a gem or something <laughs> all the discarded shards just become giant monsters and she has to take them down to absorb the gem back yeah yeah, that'd yeah. be rad. Yeah, I'm there for that. But it turns out the real gem all along was Gemma Chan. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, let's see. 
what else is there to talk about in this film, Stephen? Mm. I mean, without... Like, the theme of trust is one that I wanted to explore, but I think it would be better aided with spoilers to talk about my uh, complicated relationship with it in this movie. <laughs> with trust or just in this movie? <laughs> just in this movie. Uh, so do you, do you, want, do you have enough to, to want to go for a spoiler section? Yeah, yeah, I would do a little spoiler. Okay. Um, well, before we do spoilers, let's go ahead and give our verdicts for the film then, Stephen. If you're going to give us a must-see, record with a caveat, wait for rental, pass with a caveat, or a must-avoid... What would you give it? Uh, this for me is teetering between rental and recommend with a caveat. Uh, I'm giving it like a very positive rental. It, I had a nice time. It was a, it was a totally nice rental. It's, it's fun. The world building is great. The animation is great. Nothing was really transcendent for me, um, but it was a hell of a lot better than Mulan. <laughs> so like Dis Disney definitely did. You asked me before if this was worth $30, like by the transitive property of being worth $30, like absolutely this was worth $30. <laughs> um, I just, I felt like with this world, with the sandbox, there was so much more they could have done. And I, it felt a little too restrained maybe forced that way by virtue of being a you know one and done children's movie but still i feel like i just felt like there was so much more potential in here that they could have unlocked and that that was kind of a bummer for me but great way to spend a couple hours like totally totally fun no regrets yeah i'm gonna give it a rec recommend with a caveat um i had a lot of fun with this movie it's kind of hard to sell you on the 30 dollars price point um just because like you could watch two other movies basically for that much on, on that, that are also new and available for people. Um, but I had a lot of fun with it and, uh, it's just an enjoyable film. And I will say this too. Now I want a crossover movie where con baby and boss baby. Oh, hell yeah. Get in some sort of r relationship and con baby takes boss baby for, <laughs> for all its money. <laughs> yeah. I want to see con baby fight the baby from the Incredibles. I think that would be a <laughs> Jack Jack. <laughs> yeah <laughs> nice <laughs> all right well it's about time to get to spoilers but before that we need to say goodbye to the folks who haven't yet spent 30 dollars and rented this movie and watched it um so steven miller if people want to find you throughout the week where can they do that people can find me at twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com People can find me at ChristopherInRealLife.com or Twitter.com slash ChristopherIRL. You can find the podcast over at TheSpoilerWarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to subscribe to the show, you can do so in Overcast, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found. If you want to know the episodes go live, you can follow us at Twitter.com slash SpoilerWarning, Facebook.com slash TheSpoilerWarning, or Instagram.com slash TheSpoilerWarning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at TheSpoilerWarning.com, or you can use the contact form on our site. Music for this episode will come from the soundtrack to Raya and the Last Dragon, so hopefully you are enjoying that. That music is playing now. That music is going to fade up, and when the music fades out, we're going to be in full-blown spoilers, so better watch out, because you don't want us to take the spoiler that is your dragon gem or something. <laughs> All right, we are back. This is spoiler territory. It's the after part of our review of Raya and the Last Dragon. We are talking full-blown spoilers for the film, so you have been warned. Um, Stephen Miller, you want to talk about trust. <laughs> yeah. 
Do you trust me? <laughs> no. So there's um the, the big world. <laughs> <laughs> the the overriding theme of this movie is trust. People needing to trust each other. You know, when they're divided, that is what breaks the world. If they were united and trusted each other and came together, that would be make the world a better place. And it's reiterated in a few different places, right? Like the beginning, uh, her dad's downfall is he's trying to get people to trust each other, like come together because we'll be better together than they are apart. And it doesn't work. They fight. They turn on each other. Someone shoots him in a scene that is going to be mirrored like near the very end of the movie later when it comes to uh, Suit the Dragon. Um, and the world breaks apart. And... Sisu is constantly talking about, you know, planting this seed of, hey, my siblings had the same thing. They all trusted me. They put their gems in me because they trusted me. And that's how I was able to stop everything. It was the power of their trust that kept the, the Druid at bay. Like clearly planting a whole lot of you got to trust people. 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 Raya is a person who... She doesn't trust anyone. She fights alone. She makes her own jackfruit jerky. She's ready to go. The moose teeing up this big thing about trust. <laughs> I think I know where you're going with this. And all of that big trust stuff culminates in a scene where the group, primarily Sisu, confront Namari to get the last gemstone. And Namari, who once deep down to be a part of this, like who idolizes Sisu as much as Raya does, accidentally shoots the dragon because Raya doesn't trust her. Like, like that scene felt like a pivotal moment to me and they like forgot to write it in a way that like made sense. So I I think, I think, I mean, I I can let you finish, but 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 I think that, the point is that the dragon is asking Raya to trust her that she's got this. Raya doesn't. So Raya tries to act even though she's been told to let this happen. And her action is what causes the crossbow to actually go off. Like we see here, like she's kind of thinking about pulling the trigger and she's starting to pull it, but it doesn't fire until Raya intervenes. So it's like if, if Raya would have just like kept her nose in her own business and let this play out in theory, the dragon Sisu would have nullified um, the the lady. <laughs> yeah, like like I know that's the idea. I feel like it isn't choreographed in a way where I believe it. And even if it is the idea, having Namari in the next scene say like it's more it's your fault more than mine that I shot the dragon <laughs> <laughs> because you didn't trust is like no Namari. I think it's I think I think it's kind of your fault. <laughs> Um, but, but anyway, so, so there's the whole thing, like they're teeing up of, she has to learn how to trust her. And then she gets in this big rage fight with her. Um, and then they decide she has the moment where they decide to team up. They're going to all protect everyone together. And then once they've already teamed up and been fighting to protect everyone together, then they have a big emotional moment where they decide to trust Namari by handing her the gemstones that feels like like a hat on a hat on a hat to me. It's like they're already on the same team. They already had the coming together moment. And then they had to have another emotional moment that doesn't actually mean anything 
just to hammer home the trust thing again. Like it, I don't know. It felt so muddy to me. Like it, like they wanted to hit it so hard and it, I felt like you could have rewritten it so easily to hit that and make the emotional moment also be the turning point where they learn to trust each other. So, so I think, I think what it's, Part of it might be that that season eight of Game of Thronesification that you were talking about earlier, but it, it's clear that in it. So when everybody hands over their gem, it's not just here you take the gem. They incapacitate themselves by letting themselves be absorbed by the drone, right? So they're literally removing themselves from the equation. So once that's done, once that's all all like ready, then in theory she could have just run off with the gems and gone and rebuilt her city and called it a day, right? Like, that's the idea. Mm. Is that she had the choice to run and be, be like, out and just have those, those gems be hers and go away. But she chooses to stay behind and recombine them in attempts to try to free everybody. So it's, it, it is sort of a moment. For me, what I think is dumb about that scene is not the way that part plays out, but in the in the how it should have ended version of this um that gemstone should just go completely dark and then she should get turned to stone too and like everybody's gone like that's how i feel it should play out because what we know is that at some point in time all of the dragons sacrifice themselves by putting all of their magic in to create a stone and they left it to the last of the dragons to wield the stone. If they could have just mm -hmm. used their magic to beat back the Druun, then they would have done that, but they couldn't. They needed to all combine all of their magic, their literal life force, the dragon power, into this gem and give it to one person who would stay behind. The rest of them turned to stone. You can see from the way the story is to told, when she sets off the gemstone, it does not bring the dragons back to life. They are still right. stuck in stone form. So there is no reason why Raya should sacrifice herself to just give the shard she has to the other person because she is not bestowing her life force upon that shard. She is holding a shard that already contains energy. So by handing it to the other person, she's already done her thing, but she is trying to force the other person's hand by going and turning to stone on purpose. The other dragons didn't go like, I got an idea. We'll charge up the stone and then we'll make ourselves stone. How does that sound? Right? It was, a, it was a consequence of them giving up their life force. So the fact that they're trying to mirror it in that way is kind of a dumb idea. Um, mm -hmm. Like it, 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 it sort of works in that it's a bookended mirror of the, the scene that we're told about in flashbacks. But it kind of doesn't make sense that they one by one walk into the drone and uh, assume a pose. Also, also, as we see, whenever the drone touches somebody, they, they, they turn into this offering pose where they have their hands together, kind of like they're, they're about to do communion, <laughs> right? <laughs> they they, they yeah. take that pose. But because they want this to be more emotional, everybody does this like we're sad and somber uh, pose where they hold each other in weird ways. But it's like, no, because even she, when she got hit with the drone, she did the pose. But when everybody else does it, they're all doing like a hug or an embrace or something as they all like sadly turn into one block of people like saying goodbye to each other, which is fine. It, it works. It's a beautiful shot, but it kind of doesn't make sense that everybody's like, take my shard. I'll be right back. I'm going to go stand in the drone. <laughs> I'm imagining like a fellowship of the ring thing where everyone is just saying like, and my shard. <laughs> and my shard, because their only weapon is shard. 
Um, <laughs> but no, no, but, but think about it though. Think like, since you brought it up, imagine that scene where they say my sword, my ax, and they immediately walk 10 feet out of the group and then turn to stone. <laughs> like, <laughs> and they just leave the sword on the ground. <laughs> right. Like that's the equivalent of what that was. All right. Yeah. But I mean, so the question, the idea that Sisu says is the power wasn't the dragon power. It was the fact that they trusted me. That's what defeated it, which, okay. I mean, you know, you're visualizing it like it's the dragon power, but <laughs> I'll, I'll take your word for it. Oh, so it turns out. If it is the trust, then the like suicide pact or whatever is like an ultimate trust of like, I'm going to turn to stone. So you have to save me. I, um, Steven, you just, what you're, well, as you're recounting it right now, I just realized since we, we, since earlier we talked about a property again for the second time in two reviews, I'm going to bring up another one for the second time in two reviews. It's basically the ending of it, right? <laughs> Except for yeah, you're in, right. instead of trust, it's like, just know that it's not scary. <laughs> And then the drones shrivel up and go away. You got you got to all embrace. It's not, it's not like the ending of the book version of it. Fortunately, <laughs> it's, it's a Disney movie. Yeah, yeah, I I hear you. I mean, but that like, but that scene. I I said that that is representative of the whole for me because it's like it's a nice idea. I get it. I get the the bullet points they wanted to hit the tidy boat wraps on everything, but the, like the execution of it as a plot point, it just felt like they, it, it didn't feel like the things characters do were as well thought out as the world that they built surrounding them. And that made it feel like a, like a fun kids movie crammed in a world that was meant to tell bigger stories. Like it just made it feel kind of hurried to me. But, but that is kind of what it is, right? Like, to tie it back to other children's film, this is Harry Potter. If all of the adults in Hogwarts got turned to stone, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. It's kids having to do the stuff because they're the ones who are left, um, which is, which, which is obviously they shouldn't be the ones in charge of trying to unite Kumandra. They, they are just children. Uh, I mean, they're, they were children and now they're six years older than children or whatever it is. But like, they're basically teenagers who are having to learn to hold the entire fate of the combined five kingdoms in their hand and in their sort of selfish ways. And this is a film about them trying to put that behind so that they can rejoin forces and, and try to gain uh, some sense of unity uh, amongst these different tribes of people. Um, so it's, it, it, it Yes, their decisions are seemingly stupid, but they're also essentially children who are not mature enough to be able to make these decisions. Like, like Raya is not her father, right? Who is like literally a person who is like, I'm going to do is protect the dragon gem and also try to unite the five kingdoms. So let's do this. Yeah. Cool. cool. <laughs> yeah, that's all I had. All right, um, that's all I have too then. I think that's going to do it for this review of Raya and the Last Dragon. We'll be back next week with a review of Cherry and maybe other things. Um, so, see you guys later. See ya. You feel it's like delectable nectar feeding the tum-tum of my soul. It's good. Tastes like... Mango. Oh, I love mango. Of course you love mango. 
Only a tongueless cretin wouldn't. Oh, toy. <laughs>